What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Finding Your Strength Radio. I am your host, Andrew Romeo. Guys, we have an awesome episode for you today. I was really fortunate that um, Philip from the gym, he normally came to 7 a.m., Philip Peep, uh, agreed to come on the show. And Philip is a super interesting dude, and I really enjoyed our conversation. And he, he's been a member of our gym for a decade now, which is he's really seen... Everything that we've really tried to do, he's seen and experienced, and I think his perspective is really interesting, and I think you guys will enjoy it. So tune in for today, um, listen up, and if you have any questions about Philip and what he's got going on, he'll give you his contact info at the end of the inf- uh, at the end of the show, and you can reach out to him. Before we get into that interview, um, we have a bunch of events lined up for the next month and a half or so, so I just want to run through those with you guys really quick. This Saturday, so literally tomorrow, if you're listening to this on the day it releases, is our Trunk or Treat. It's going to be behind the gym. It's from 5 to 8 p.m., and it is open to the public. So I really hope that you want to come out, bring kids, bring neighbors, bring family, whoever you want, and just have a good time. It's really just about giving back to our community for this one and providing kids an opportunity to trick-or-treat in a safe environment where they're comfortable and can have fun and play and run and really enjoy themselves. So that is uh, this Saturday. It's coming up. On November 13th at 9 a.m., we're doing Wade's workout. I will be here to run that class. So if you want to come to Wade's workout that day, I will be here. I will be putting you guys all through Wade's workout, and we'll talk about how meaningful it really is and what it's all about. From there, November 20th, we are doing the RA Fam's Giving plus a food drive. So this is our annual Thanksgiving event. Um, typically we'll have a sign-up sheet up where you can sign for what you'd like to bring. And it's just a great opportunity to come into the gym in the evening, meet some people that you typically don't see in the gym, get more uh, acquainted with everybody from our community, and have a meal together. And we're adding the food drive this year to it. So if you want to bring some canned food or box food or whatever type of food you want to donate, it's going to be going to the Enfield Food Pantry, and they're going to really appreciate that for Thanksgiving coming up next week. From there, four days later, November 24th, we are doing our annual half marathon row. If you're familiar with this event, we typically kick it off at, I don't know, 4.30 in the morning. So if you want to get a a half marathon row in before Thanksgiving, this is your opportunity. And then the last event that I got going on in 2021 is the Misfit Toys. It's going to be coming on December 4th. We're going to have a little bit of a different format this year, so just be ready for that. We'll, we'll put out the details sooner than later. Um, but November 4th, or December 4th, sorry, excuse me, um, will be the Misfit Toys, and it will be our 10th annual one. So I think that's a pretty big deal. We've been able to run this event for a decade now and had some great success. So Let's get into the episode. Enjoy the show, guys. I know I enjoyed my conversation with Philip. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Finding Your Strength Radio. I'm your host, Andrew Romeo. Guys, I'm super lucky today, and I think you guys are super lucky as well, for our guest. Our guest is Philip, Philip Pape. Philip's been with me since 2011. So if, if you're doing the math on that right now, that's a decade. Philip has been training at Romeo Athletics, which used to be uh, CrossFit Revelation, for 10 years. Um, so he's seen a lot of our changes, a lot of what's come, what's gone, what we've prioritized, what we don't prioritize prioritize and how the whole gym works so welcome to the show philip hey thanks for having me you trying to say i'm old here i am not trying to say you're old by any means because i've been here for 12 years so if i'm calling you old i'm calling myself even older thanks for having me on the podcast yeah man i was really excited to bring you on i know we were chatting the other day we we briefly mentioned podcasting and i immediately popped in my head i was like philip should come on the podcast um so here we are here we are um to dive into this, I know a lot of members do know who you are, but there's also probably a lot of members who don't know who you are. So if you want to just give us a quick background of, Phil, where, where are you coming from? What's your background look like? What do you do? All that kind of stuff. Yeah, no problem. I, I kind of keep to myself here at the gym. So um, so I am a, an engineering manager at Raytheon Technologies, based okay. here out of Windsor Locks. Um, I've been in technology, product development, software and project engineering for about 20 years. Cool. Uh, that'll be 20 years next year. Um, and you know, I love my job there. I love working on products that 
keep people safe in the air, that protect our military, really cool stuff. Um, and that's, so that, that's like my day job. But as you know, I have a lot of side ventures and hustles and endeavors that I, I do. I love it. Um, on the personal side, I'm married to an incredible wife of 15 years this year. Oh, congratulations. 15 years. 15 yep. years. That's a milestone, man. Good. It's huge. Like, that's I mean, awesome. Again, dating myself here. Um, she, so that, that's 15 years. Her name's Karen. And we have two lovely daughters, nine and seven. Um, and the, uh, th- so that's, that's on the personal side. Um, one of my big passions has been public speaking cool. and competing in speech contests. Um, Toastmasters International, it's a big nonprofit that I've been a member of for about 10 years. A lot of 10s and 20s here. <laughs> and uh, um, I'm a distinguished Toastmaster, a member of a local club in Windsor. And what I really like to do today is help others find their voice okay. because I used to be an introvert big time, if you could believe it, Sure. Um, years ago. And there's a lot of people in the workplace and working professionals who have to present all the time and they struggle, right? Or they're afraid to do it or they don't know the right tools and resources. So we help them do that. That's awesome. Cause I mean, just getting up in front of people can create a ton of anxiety and a ton of fear. And you could be very, very well spoken in a one-on-one personal setting. And then all of a sudden you get up in front of a, a crowd and you start, start going back to being that introvert and you get scared and the message you want to relay isn't the message that you project. Exactly. Um, and I think that's awesome that you're able to help people with it. I should go to Toastmasters. Hey, I mean, even a podcast <laughs> can make you nervous, right? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you've got all this stuff in your head, and you need to get it out here, right? And that's that's what it's good for. So that's that's a big passion of mine. And then lifting, as we were talking about before, that I can go on and on about strength training. But my, I don't know how much you want to go back into my whole personal journey on sure. this. So typically, run us through where did you – were you ever involved in sports? Was sports anything that was ever uh, like kind of put physical activity and that kind of stuff in the back of your brain where you're like, I like being active? What did that look like for you? Yeah, the answer is an emphatic no. Okay. So I have a very different background from a lot of folks. I was not in organized sports. Okay. We grew up in Florida. The, the, the weather was great all year round. So I played football on the street with my brother and friends. Sure. Played baseball on the street. So I was active in that sense. But never in organized sports. I went to an arts high school. Cool. Didn't even have athletics. Okay. Okay. Went to college, gained the freshman 15, then the sophomore 15. Gotcha. Uh, skinny, fat, fluffy, you know, my whole life. And finally, the senior year of college, they built a brand new gym. This is over at RPI in New York. And I decided to try some machines, some cardio, kind of flail around in the gym like yep. most people. Didn't know what I was doing. And then that's it. Graduated college, still not, not in great shape. Didn't know what to do in the gym. Um, I knew how to maintain my weight okay. with diets, so sure. to speak. You know, yep. Atkins how, at the yeah, time. What, what do I do? <laughs> yeah. All right. I right. see this ad for Atkins, as you're referring yeah. to. That'll help me lose my freshman 15. Always Let's that. go for it. Yeah. It's like conflicting sources of information all the of, time. Of course. Right? That's what's out there, right? I try to be the beacon of uh, truth for a lot of people in that regard. Tell me about it. And today, it's a lot. It's both a lot easier and a lot more difficult with the internet, right? Yeah. What are, yeah. The, the information era where everything is at our fingertips and we can do anything. Yeah. But... There's a downside to that because there's a lot of misinformation out there that will lead you down a bad path. Um, diving back into one thing you said. So you went to an art school. What, what type of art did you practice? Yeah, I was a musician. So cool. I played saxophone, okay. j- jazz, and I did that well after college. I mean, when I met my wife. We were, set up on, we were set up on a date when I was actually playing a gig. Wow. You know, and this is Very while I'm cool. an engineer, and this is just the thing I do on the side at sure. night. Right? So I played music for three years, and it's, it was one of these high schools where you had to travel – on a bus and a metro rail and a metro mover into downtown Miami. <laughs> and then you were there for probably three hours longer than average high school kids. Okay. Because half your day is music. Very cool. So Very it, cool. it was a great experience. It was a small school, especially being in a big city. Sure. You know? Yep. And, and they had a good academic program as well. I, absolutely. I mean, if you become an engineer and gone to the lengths that you've gone with your education, they must have had a good yeah, education system. They did. They did. That's very cool, man. Because one interesting thing that I have noticed from musicians that come into weightlifting is typically musicians are meticulous in terms of wanting things to be perfect, right? Because uh-huh. when you're making music, you want it to sound perfect. And then yep. you come into the world of lifting and they have that same mindset of how do I make this movement? How do I make what I'm doing Perfect, and it really gives people a solid work ethic and also an ideal of trying to do things really well. 
Yes. Um, so I, I think that's a great background to come into probably engineering because I'm assuming if you're designing flight controls or whatever you're designing, it needs to be perfect. It is funny you link all of those because I've always linked music to engineering, okay. right? The math that's inherent in music. Yep. You know, the music kids in my art school are always the, the top of the class compared to, let's say, the artists or dancers, gotcha. right? Just the different type of mindset. Just the way your brain works exactly, and connects right? to things. Very mathematical, scientific. But I hadn't thought of the fact that lifting is its own science that can be thought of in that way. And I remember when I first met you, we talked about plate math. You yep. know, you could just, just say, oh, yeah, 135, 185, 225, yep. right? And I was like, what are you doing? I have to calculate <laughs> what's on the bar, right? I've just seen those combinations so many times where there's no thought behind yep. it anymore. Yeah, and I'm there now, finally. Yeah, I'm sure you are, absolutely. <laughs> the only thing that always throws you for a wrench is when there's a 35-pound bar, and then you're like, wait a second, hold yes. on, minus 10. Or have you heard the joke about 35-pound plates? Yeah, from Kabuki, how they absolutely hate them. But what's the yeah. joke? Oh, well, well, it's how do you make a 35-pound plate? You weld together a 25 and a 10. Because <laughs> yeah, exactly. you're not supposed to have 35-pound yep. plates is the joke, right? Yep, that is. Yeah, <laughs> it, Kabuki did a big thing out there with Chris Duffin about trying to get rid of 35-pound yeah. plates, just obviously joking. and But for the most part... You don't use them that often. No, you know, if they're here, they're convenient. Yeah. Um, or you can use them for, for calf raises, you know. Have like, you ever looked into um, why they decided to go with 45-pound things and not 50 pounds? I, I mean, I've been in the strength industry for probably over two decades, and I've never looked into that. But, like, why would you make a 45-pound plate and not a 50-pound plate? Like, what, that what is, is that? a good question. I don't know if it's really to be in 20 kilos. Yeah, it's, it's probably something Maybe. where it came from. It's from the Olympic guess. lifting world know. of, like, 20 kilos is the 44 pounds. Four, closest to 44 is 45. We'll cast them that way. Yeah. Dude, that's like super interesting stuff. So a little bit of background where you're coming from. So you get out of college, and you're, you did you go right into the engineering world? And yeah. you also you stayed in the music world. So you're in both of them. Mm -hmm. um, was physical fitness part of your life at that point? Not really. Um, I There was a gym at – I actually lived at Bigelow Commons right here I in Enfield. exactly what you're talking years. about. Yep. Yep. And there was a, a little gym there with, just like every gym, you've got some cardio machines and you've got some like Nautilus style yep. machines, maybe a couple dumbbells, definitely no barbells. Absolutely. It's right? too dangerous. So <laughs> for up until I was 30, so that was like my first eight years living here, um, on and off, global gyms, didn't have programming, didn't have a plan, and pretty much stayed where I was. Gotcha. And so how old were you when you decided to venture into the world of CrossFit and look me up on the internet yep. and go down that path? When was that in your life? I had just turned 30 okay. and we got pregnant with our first child. Interesting. You know, it's these moments in life yeah. that make you think, right? I'm going to be a father. I need to get in shape. I don't know how to do it, but I can figure it out. So I, I did the research and there was this big craze called crossfit right there was 2011 it's getting toward its peak i think crossfit's yeah. peak was like mid i would say teens, probably yeah like teens. 2013 2014 yeah. it was like every week there's every a new day. gym a new starting gym, yeah. there's more and you're like oh my god how big does this bubble get before it pulls back in? yeah it's like bank branches you see a new one like every yep. week on every corner um yeah so that was i saw so I, so I tried a couple gyms and i ended up here i think it was convenient to work and I definitely liked the vibe and the culture. And you guys were pretty small back then. It was yes. like a third the size it is today. So, yeah, I'm trying to think back. I think when you first started, we were probably the L-shaped facility where it was you walked in. You walked into the, the bay where all, like, the exercise equipment is right now, like the soaring extra rigs and the turf is. You would walk in there, but it was a green carpet. Um, and a wall with a big window, and you walked through that, and there was a standalone rig that went the length of it. Yes. And then to the right, there was, like, another little, like, half bay where I built a, a pull-up bar out of two-by-four-by-whatever-by-eights and then plumbing pipe that I ran through and connected to both sides of the wall. And everybody loved that pull-up bar because it had, like, this big flex to it. So when people were doing pull-ups, <laughs> the bar would flex down and, like, kind of Perfect pop you back up. Right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. right? It was pop you back up and down. But, um, dude, that was, that was a long time ago. Seems like it, right? So coming into the CrossFit world, what, was, what were you looking to do? What, what were your, what, I don't even know if you remember. It was long ago, a long time ago at this point. But what was your goal? Like, what were you trying to get, get into at that point? Yeah, I, I, didn't, I figured that I couldn't do things on my own successfully in that space, and I needed somebody to tell me what to do. It was cool. basically what it come, came down yeah. to. CrossFit sold itself on small group classes with coaching yep. in a, in a good community environment. 
right? And with all this cool stuff that I just didn't know about. Like, yeah. And I say stuff like that because that's what it was in my head at the time. And I thank CrossFit for introducing me to some things that, that were new to me. Barbells. Sure. I mean, I never picked up a barbell my entire life. Honestly, I think that might be one of the greatest gifts that CrossFit yep. has given the world is putting barbells in people's hands and somewhat like rejuvenating. I agree. The, even rejuvenating powerlifting, rejuvenating Olympic lifting, rejuvenating all of these things where before people looked at a barbell and they're like, you can bench press with it, you can incline bench press with it. And people didn't even think of like deadlifting or squatting with it because they're like, ah, that, yeah, that's how you get hurt. Let alone cleaning yeah. and snatching, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah never yeah. mind that stuff. That is outrageous. <clears throat> that's crazy. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and I agree because I think there was several decades between, I don't know, the 70s and 80s when powerlifting and, and bodybuilding were kind of on the wane and the big gym model yep. came into, into play. And the Nautilus machines Nautilus, were big. Yep. And I mean – you look to the to what you were saying, like your your last year of college, or everybody that goes to the global gyms. Well, I don't have a lot of money, so I can join this gym for twenty bucks or thirty bucks. And the machine right here has this little diagram that says, "Put my hands here, press this direction, and I work my." Sorry, sorry if you guys can't see what I'm doing. I'm <laughs> sitting down doing like a skull crusher. He's hopping around, but it's on on a machine. <laughs> um, so it's like, a, I mean, it's very convenient, and they they kind of figured out the yeah. You can sit down. Scalability. You can sit down yeah. and do all your workouts just sitting down. And you can look like Arnold Schwarzenegger when you're there done. There you go. Um, and that's the hard part of what we were talking about with misinformation. If they sell you a bad bag of goods of you can get all of this and they're, they're not wrong if you dialed in your diet and did all of the machine stuff you could look really good but yeah, sure i mean there's value in in some of those especially the cable machines yeah. and some of them I mean, yeah absolutely i mean like that's that. why i bought a lap pull down and a cable stack because yeah. they're awesome yeah um there's a lot of good stuff with that um and i know as we've trained together for a long time you've had a history of back stuff going on was yeah. that prior to gyms or was that developed in gyms I don't think I'll ever know. Okay. I, I, my wife and I have a theory that it was a snowboarding accident I had around that time 10 years ago. Really? Where, okay. Where I like just took a hard fall. And the board smacked right into my um, like rear oblique area, yes. right? Yep. Um, so you went forwards then. You went forwards and your feet like I don't remember up. what direction I went. <laughs> I don't even remember. I just know it. I got hit really hard. Actually, was on the left side. Um, and then it wasn't long after that that I would occasionally squat, and it was always in a warm up. It was never with heavy load. Sure. And it would just my back would go like that's the best way I can put it. You know, you, you feel that twinge twins or that pop, and you're that's it. Oh. Right. You, it, a lot of people have spoken about that. It's right? such a bad feeling. Yeah. <laughs> but it but it always recovered within a few days, and I got back to normal stuff. And finally, this year, uh, again, I was warming up a back squat at home, and I felt it again. And this time it got worse over several days to the point where I couldn't walk, sit, or stand. The pain was so bad all so the way down my left leg. Lay down. And all you do is lay down with your feet up in the air. Ugh, like, like people, people in no back pain know about that. Yeah, I know um, exactly. Yeah, I've had, I've had right? to the point where I couldn't even uh, lay in a bed where it was like I. And that, what, what I found out was my <laughs> pelvis was stuck in a certain position, okay. so it was just creating a lot of tension where I just had to get everything popped and put back in and it yeah. was fine. But to your point, yeah, back pain is very debilitating where you can't put your socks or your shoes on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, and it never really held me back all those years really. Um, and the funny thing is this year, I would say I've had my best fitness year this year, despite that, wow. which is kind of funny, but I, I had the, I had the issue back in March, uh, late March and all through April went through the, Physical therapy, and then finally I had to have surgery, a microdiscectomy. Okay. What right. is that? That is where they make an incision in the spine between the vertebra of where the issue is and incise or cut out the tissue that's herniated okay. from the disc material. So, okay. Which was impinging on my S1 nerve. So, and that's what was pushing on the nerve. That's so they it. just cut that away, impingement goes away, yeah. and optimally life goes back to normal. Right. And the thing is back, with back surgeries is they don't have the highest – uh, success rate, it depends on what you have. So what okay. I had, it was, is a very acute issue that the surgeon literally said the tissue like flew out when he opened me up, you know, it was wow. just easy it's to just get wedding. rid of it. Yeah. It's just waiting it, to come it. out. There's just so waiting. much pressure on this <laughs> yeah. thing where it's like, Oh, look at that. It popped exactly. right out. And, and so when I woke up from the surgery, I immediately felt no pain. I could stand up, I could walk. And the recovery for that is just a lot of walking. Okay. Can't really do any weights until you get green lighted. Sure. And of course, when he said, "All right, you can start lightweight," and I said, 
is that light for me or just is this an absolute number? He's like, no, 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 light for you. Cool. He works with athletes and people like that. And he, he's Sounds a good, like good a doctor. doctor. Yeah, no, good doctor. Because when everything was done, he's like, I'm not going to tell you what else to do. Just go have fun. You know, if you're back here again, you're back here again, but you'll be fine. Go live your life. Yeah. That's awesome, man. And I give you a ton of credit because a lot of people that have been battling the back stuff that you've been battling, at a certain point, you'd be like, well, I'm done lifting weights. Yeah. I guess this is No it. squats, like, no deadlifts. Yep. Never again will I do yeah. that. That That's bad. Where you, you took a different approach to that, where you're like, okay, clearly something that's missing that's triggering this. How do I strengthen everything up around it? What do I need to do to combat this to stay active and achieve my goals while still moving forward, which is awesome. And I gave you a ton of credit for that. Um, yeah, I, I'd rather have a, like they say, a strong bad back than a weak bad back. Yes. Like I don't want to be 70 bending over to pick up a ball and then and, and there's an issue just because I didn't strengthen my back. Yep. Yeah, and I mean, th- you hear a lot of these doctors talk, and I'll, I've talked to PAs that are in these surgeries where they're like, most people have some fucked up discs, something is yeah, wrong somewhere does. in there, but as long as you're not that aware of it and it doesn't hurt you every day, you can pretty much, as you're saying, just develop strength around it, mm-hmm. and you're going to be okay, and you're going to be able to do whatever you need to do. And I, I feel the same way where I, I, I've gotten pretty good at self-diagnosing when I can feel something out of alignment with my back where I'm like, all right, I just need to get a pop out of this area right. and I'll get all of this tension relief and I'll be fine. Yep. Um, but don't you find that working out usually makes it feel better? Oh, 100%, yeah. man. I mean, so I'm in the middle of Squattober right now. Yeah. Um, so if you're ever going to have a tired back is now and a day that you don't look forward to getting back under a barbell to squat is right now for me and today is a great example yesterday i squatted heavy i went up to like 92 percent of my best um like a seesaw and then today i had to go back under the barbell and do paused back squats Mm -hmm. i didn't look forward to it but when i walked away from the session i was like man i feel a lot better way looser things are things are popping things are moving i'm feeling good so we're, we're diving into kind of, you were in, you just got into the CrossFit world. Um, you had a back injury early on with snowboarding and squatting. It was some stuff through there. We're not attributing it to squatting, but hey, you felt it while you were squatting, lightweights, while you were warming up and things were popping with that. Um, as you progressed over the last decade, it seems like your goals have shifted. Yes. Uh, and your goals have shifted from, hey, I just need to get fit and healthy to where are you now with your goals? What are you doing now? You're like a mind reader, man. I mean, you 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 know this all about me uh, <laughs> without me telling you, right? Um, so why why you're a good coach? So I agree. Like about eight nine years of that time frame was just fairly inconsistent. You know, I came in maybe two or three days a week. Yep. So I would see you in the mornings, typically around seven a.m. Seven a.m. Um, I was the it, only one sometimes. Yeah, right? and at that time frame of the gym's history, for a lot of people that don't see me coaching a lot now. I used to coach almost every class. Um, And and for a little while, Brian Carr, if Brian, you're listening. Hi, Brian. Um, Brian used to coach along with me, and we had some other coaches that coached as well. But for the majority of classes, I ran ran them all. So Philip and I got to know each other really, really well throughout classes because, as you said, sometimes it's like right now, 730 is a really popular time, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of people come in. But back then, no one came to 7. Maybe Philip, maybe Mark did when Mark wasn't retired yet. Um, So I would. Lauren. Yeah, Yeah. Lauren. And I'd have an opportunity to talk to these guys for an hour, three times a week, which is actually a really interesting and unique opportunity because how often do you have an opportunity to connect with somebody for an hour, three times a week? It doesn't happen often. Yeah, it's like a fun social club. Yeah. Together. I mean, I, I, I call my parents once a week for 15 minutes, like never mind three hours a week. So you get to know, I get to know all of the clients and athletes and everybody really, really well. Um, so Philip went, you went from training kind of inconsistently two to three times a week, 7 a.m.s, And then it wasn't just COVID shift of training at home, but there was, I feel like you were shifting before COVID happened. Yeah. Um, into more of the strength. Did, side. did you take a look at my notes before I have we not, got? It? Yeah, I, have I know. Not. It's, it's <laughs> funny because I was thinking, how do I? How do I? I was looking back at the time frame. I said, you know, 2019 is really when I made the shift because I started doing RA strength. Yep. I so the way that I kind of the way that my mind works, I can specifically remember when the Sorenex rigs were against that wall, so the far wall with the bay doors. They were in yep. the middle bay against that, and I can remember squatting in the rack next to Philip and chatting that's about right. chatting about strength that's and right. that kind of stuff. So that that's where my pinpoint comes from of being like somewhere around that time frame your mind switched from being like hey i want to exercise for time and fitness to i want to start prioritizing strength a little bit more exactly yeah and i i didn't entirely know why like i have a much better grasp now of how important strength is 
as a foundation to everything. I agree. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> Aging and mood and energy and productivity at work, like everything that's that's better now from a physical standpoint is because of strength. That's awesome. That, that's my opinion. But uh, yeah, it was around 2019 doing RA Strength, which for the listeners is is Rome's like custom group programming for people. It used to be called the Barbell Club. Yes, it was Barbell. And we still yeah. have a Barbell Club. And I kept that okay. as Olympic weightlifting. So that's now before it was like a mix of a mix. whatever kind of strength things my head was at. And I've peeled that off to be like, all right, Barbell Club is straight Olympic weightlifting. Got it. And now RA Strength is kind of like my training program that I run through that I put everybody else through yes. at the same time. <laughs> and, and I would I would classify it as like power building. Yes. Because you always have the compound lift to start one or two of those and then some form of hypertrophy or um, accessories, you yep. know, barbell rows, things like that. Exactly. Yeah, I, no, 100%. Yeah. I mean, you're definitely dead on with that. We'll start out with a squat or a deadlift or a bench press and then we move into the auxiliary movement and more as – so. For our listeners that don't know what hypertrophy is, anything over eight reps. Uh, I mean, so you're talking, what, uh, four to eight reps is um, myofibular hypertrophy, and then eight to 12 reps, you're talking about sarcoplasmic hypertrophy. So if you guys don't know what I mean by that is four to eight is get stronger, eight to 12 is get bigger, and then above 12, you're talking more about muscular endurance. Yeah. Yeah. So... Right around that time frame, you're switching over to RA strength, and somewhere in your brain, it's making the connection of, I think I might like this more. Yeah, it's funny because uh, COVID, I mean, really did a lot for me in that regard because everything shut down. Yep. We started working from home. All of a sudden, I had all this extra time, so I said, well, why don't I just work out five days a week now? Yeah. Right? And then you offered custom individualized programming to all your members. Yep. That was, yeah, as soon as we kicked yep. off COVID, that was kind of like... What do we do? Yeah. How do, How do you we, keep people engaged? If I give you equipment yeah. and give you a program, will you do it? Right. You will? Great. Let's do that then. And what do you have, right? Like yeah. I said, okay, I've got some 50s, some 25 dumbbells, no barbell, no, you know, maybe a, a ball or yep. a something. Very right. limited. Let's make it work, man. <laughs> Let's make it work. And right. and, and I've, as, as I've watched you, it seems like you're, you're very similar to me in this regard as you've just slowly started collecting equipment and finding deals yes. for equipment. <laughs> and like, dude, I if anybody is a fitness equipment junkie, it's me. Yeah. Like, and I've had to pull, like, reel myself in recently because shit's gotten so expensive out yeah. there. But I am the same. Where I'm just like, pick this up. Well, Rogue has their boneyard sale right now. Do they? So oh, pick up an Ohio out. bar there. Because I just saw an email from them where they're like, just so people know, for our Black Friday stuff, like, the price of steel has gone up 300%. Yeah. Never mind the price of cardboard. Never mind the price of tape. Never mind the price of stickers. So take that into consideration exactly. when you're purchasing equipment. Nothing's cheap. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, di I didn't have any equipment at the time, gotcha. right? And so you programmed for me something like a moderate strength program with what I did have with conditioning. Yep. And here's the thing. Like, when you're a newbie, right, the newbie gains are still Love there it. on yep. the table. I got to take advantage of that because my tonnage and volume went up even though my load went down. Gotcha. Right? And I think – and then I also went on kind of a un unintentional cut. <laughs> you know, sure. I just wasn't eating that much. Not eating that much. And you're lifting five days a week now. Yeah. So your caloric expenditure just went through the roof. Yeah. My metabolism is going up with the muscle mass, right? My activity is going up. My energy input's coming down. Um, and so – you started to see it physically. I started to see the physical transformation, which was very motivating. Yeah. Because my whole life I thought, ah, my genes, you know, there's sure. no way you can look like this or that. And it's not all about looks, but for a lot of dudes, it is somewhat about looks, right? And even if it's not about looks, when you start getting results in that category, as you said, it's very motivating. It's motivating. You're like, wow, right? that, that trap is starting to pop out a little bit more. Oh, my shoulder, like – no matter what anybody says, you're going to enjoy the that aspect of it. Exactly. And it, and it feels great. You know, you feel lighter. You feel stronger. So I, it started to get me into a little bit, uh, I won't say an obsession, but a hobby of learning about strength. Right. Gotcha. And so I started to read a lot more and listen to a lot more, you know, starting strength and bigger, leaner, stronger. And, you know, you got the power athlete guys and. Uh, raw and, and all the, the old timers, um, what's his name, Marty Gallagher and the power sure. lifters, right? I yeah. just listen on and on and, and on. And those are great resources. And I mean, Philip and I will talk about the podcast that he's going to be launching soon and what, what he's trying to do with that. But the resources that you're citing are all solid and quality resources, which I'm super happy that you found compared to finding people that are going to lead you down a bad, bad path that you're like, this, this doesn't look right. Yeah, like the men's health guys or the supplement. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, exactly. Folks and whatnot. Yeah. 
Um, so once once I did that, uh, I started to collect equipment, as you mentioned. You know, I found I found a barbell, I found some plates, then I bought a power rack, and it went on from there to the point where, okay, I've got everything I need. What do I do now? What do I really want to focus on? Yeah. So I said, let me let me strip everything away. I even said, you know, RA strength is great, but it's got a lot of stuff I don't even want to worry about at the moment. I just want to learn the lifts, the yeah. main big lifts. So you stronger. were looking at primarily you're looking at squat, dead bench. And press. And press, okay. I love the overhead press. Do you? Oh, Not many people I do because it. it moves so slowly. I, I, Dude, that's the musician in you. It, that's it like is, the technician in you. It is. <laughs> it's a very technical lift. Yeah. People don't realize that, right? Most people think the squat is the most technical, yep. but the press is very technical. And there are, I would say, three styles of press, right? Okay. You have the strict press that everybody's familiar with, but then you also have the Olympic press that yep, went out of favor, right? Lean back. And you get a, you get a hip you get the yep. hip drive. If you, yeah. anybody has ever, if so, Steve Powell is listening to this. People used to refer to him as Old Steve, and that's not an insult. But Steve knew we were calling him that at the same time. But he had the Olympic style press where he would like to go up. Steve's mo would be like your front squatting. He would come up and he'd press your barbell. But you'd always look at it and be like, well, he's not push pressing. It Where's almost that looks momentum like yeah, it's the hip, from? and then it looks almost like a bench press. Yeah, right? where you lean back yep. and press it over your head. Yep. And then, and then there's an intermediate form of that, or there's a combination of the two where you can do the Olympic on the first rep and do strict with the stretch reflex on the subsequent reps. Mm-hmm. Right? And I, I will say I dabble in a little of those. Uh, those I, they're almost cheater reps, but it's yeah. how do you move a bigger weight? Well, if I let this bar, even like sometimes you take it out of the rack and you let it just drop like an inch or two and then boom, use that stretch reflex to yeah. drive it up and you're like – well, I can press 10 more pounds doing it like yeah, this. You, is it, there anything wrong? There's part of the range of motion that then gets the benefit from yep, that, right? Exactly. That Just like um, lion tricep extensions, full range back with your shoulders, right? You can do a higher load, so part of the range of motion gets the load. Yeah, you know? exactly. And then if you just let that tricep creep back or that four or that your, yeah, your tricep creep back a little bit and then pull, shoulders boom, come. boom, and you're like, wow. Yeah. That's all. And I mean, again, that comes back down to the training principle of overload. How do yep. you overload a specific training, a body part? Well, right. sometimes giving a little body English isn't the worst thing right. in the world. Yeah, like the cheater curls. Yeah, but that's fine because at yep. the top of your curl, you're still yep. curling it. Yeah, so I, I, I basically th- – those four, the big four, also pulls, right, because uh, I couldn't deadlift twice or three times a week. So I'd alternate with pulls and chins and then some power cleans as well cool. for pulling. Um, and I did kind of a variation of starting strength and some of Andy Baker's programming and some other things that I mixed in there, uh, like a novice linear progression. Yep. Yeah. And I, I like the fact that you mentioned a linear progression because mm-hmm. typically uh, a lifter is considered a novice lifter until you've completed a linear progression. And it doesn't have to be Power Athlete's Bedrock or Jim Wendler's 531 or anybody else's. It can be one of your own creating, but if you don't know how much strength you can accumulate or what you're leaving on the table until you fully go through a linear progression where you're failing and then you go back down, you reload it, you go through it up and push it up again. And then you, and like, honestly, I linear progressions are probably one of the hardest things I've ever done because with mine, I'd be squatting twice a week and you barely squeak through squatting session one. And you know, two days later, you have to add more weight to the bar and try to do it again, force your body to adapt to it. Like linear progressions are hard. Yeah, no, no, they're super hard, and each lift wants to go at its own rate yep. of progress. Yep, and like you've got to eat. <laughs> you've got to eat. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, the shoulder press is the first to stall in my in my personal experience when you want to cut. You know, all uh, shoulder presses. Yeah. Like that's why I that's why I said I was surprised at your favorite because it's the most fickle fucking lift in the world. Where you're like, it is. why doesn't this thing move? Any yeah, and, and one week to the next, you could all of a sudden lose ten percent of your strength. What's going? Yeah. On? yeah, what happened here? Oh, your triceps were a teeny yeah. bit fatigued. All yeah. right, fine. Yeah, do you remember? I don't know if you remember when I was doing. I was pressing like three or four times a week. I was doing like singles one day, strict one day, Olympic one day, and and I've heard that that's what you need to do. Cool. You know, a lot of volume on the press for sure. it to to keep going up. Interesting. Throwing, and throwing had that worked week, yeah. well for you? It worked at the time. Like if I wanted to get into it again and push push the press up, that yeah. would work. Cool. Um, and then what's his name? Bill Starr had his athletes years ago doing weighted dips. He did a weighted dip progression yep. to where you were repping 100 pounds hanging off of you. Dips are awesome. Um, so Bill Starr's big influencer, for, not so people think influencer and they think Instagram. Bill Starr was alive when there was no such thing as Instagram. <laughs> yeah. um, he, by influencer, I mean he had a big influence on the strength community. Um, there's even something called a star shrug, which is named after 
him for his shrug. I was aware of that. Um, what is that? So it's, it's more of like you let the bar slide down to the top of your knee, and then as you hit where you would normally shrug, you get a little bit more momentum, and you can pop that shrug up. So you can oh, go a little bit heavier rather than holding the shrug and just shrugging. Kind of like a power shrug. Yeah. So you Bill don't, Stars you don't big put it exactly. in the pins. You yep. hold it the whole yep. time. Hold it the whole time. So he was a um, more of on the Olympic side of things, and that's kind of where if you look at a clean or a snatch, that's where that's coming cool. from. I'm trying to get some hip momentum behind it. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know where I was. Going. Where, where, I don't. Know. We were talking about <laughs> linear progression. Uh, yeah. Yeah. If you want to get strong, just just strip away all the nonsense and all the accessories and all the bodybuilding stuff, and just focus on. Heavy lifting and adding weight to the bar. Yep. And in a consistent, controlled pattern. Yep. It's very measurable. It's actually really satisfying. Um, yeah, it's and, objective. And, yeah. Yeah. And if you, you talk to any strength person pretty much anywhere, they're going to be like, well, if you are you a novice athlete or are you an advanced athlete? And the mm-hmm. way that you're going to differentiate between the two is have you completed any type of linear progression? Right. Yes or no. So it sounds like the beginning of COVID, you took that opportunity to focus on your big four to five lifts. You went through your linear progressions. So that's probably bringing you to like mid 2020. That, that was, I didn't really start that till the fall ish of 2020. Oh, gotcha. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. So I started eating a lot. I mean, yeah. I gained 30 pounds in like four or five months, wow. which is really fast. Good for it's, you. It's, it's, it was, and I'm fine with it. Like yep. normally, you'd call that almost a dirty ball yep. for some people. But you, you don't look like you put on any bad weight. Well, no, I didn't put on. That's the thing. It's the first time I ever put on muscle at a decent clip. That's awesome. And then, uh, and then I maintained that for a long time. And then I, I'm about done with the cut. Okay. So I'm about done with a three month cut. Gotcha. So what yeah. if you don't mind sharing? What weight did you start at, and what weight did you go to, and where are you cutting to? What's that look like? Yeah. So I started in like the one. 60s okay kind of uh, not skinny fat i mean i had a little bit of muscle but i was you definitely had you muscle know, on you because yeah. you you've been exercising yeah. so from at that point you've been exercising for eight years right. as you said inconsistently but you're leaner yeah but like, you're, like not, lean, you're not bigger yeah you don't have a lot of muscle exactly so i went from that to 195 wow i was thinking of getting to 200 but but it's true when you start <laughs> when you start getting up above where you normally sit there's impacts, yes. right? Like it's hard. You, you, it's hard. It's hard to eat. You don't feel as good. Um, you, even my blood hot, work didn't look as good. You're sweaty. Like higher blood pressure and cholesterol. Mm-hmm. I mean, these things do start to creep up. They do. Um, very strong correlation. So I was like, okay, this is it. And then, so that's when I did my first real cut. That was last summer. Okay. Heading up to my brother's wedding. It that was just coincidence, but it was a wedding on the beach, so I didn't want to be, you know, fat. Yep. You're, you're like, <laughs> hey, we're going to a beach, and I right. want to look good for this. Right. So uh, that that was a uh, that was kind of a random cut. I think I was trying to do keto or something at the time. I still sure. wasn't dialing in my nutrition like I do today, and and that worked out. And then I kind of maintained that uh, for a while until then my back surgery. Okay. Right? So I was starting to get back into. The end of my linear progression, moving into an intermediate four-day split. Gotcha. So what did you cut down to with the keto thing for the, the wedding? 165. So you went from you started at the 160, you went up to 195, and you went back down to yep. 165? Okay. Yep. And then I kind of gradually got back up into the 180s. Gotcha. And just hovered. Okay. Um, but I was working hard. I was training hard. So I still yep. was building muscle, but I was more in a maintenance, so I don't know how anabolic it was. Who knows, right? Yeah. Um, then back surgery kind of interrupted I, like, I was making good gains you know i was I, I had just pr'd my deadlift like two weeks before awesome. right here in the gym yeah. so yeah i had the back surgery then after about a month started to get back into it then we went on a trip to maine for 10 days gotcha and i had appendicitis Ugh. I, remember, <laughs> I think I, you and i were communicating at this point about something on the digital side of things and i think you were like I just got back from vacation and I'm down and out for a while. And yeah. I was like, oh man. Yeah, like, exactly. It was on. The, it was on the day back. So silver lining. We enjoyed our whole vacation. Good. It was not till the day we came home. Went to St. Francis Hospital. They had me sitting there all day. Pain, three oh. times they had to give me painkillers. So oh, I was like, man, you're just not a priority compared to these. You know, yeah. people losing their arms and whatnot over sure. here. Your stomach hurts <laughs> and your side hurts or whatever. You'll be fine. Take your appendix hasn't burst. You're good. Yeah. Oh yeah, more than pills. Jeez, oh, <laughs> man, that's rough. So whatever. You know, I read read books all day or whatever, and yep. um, listen to podcasts. Finding your strength radio. Who knows? There you go. <laughs> and finally, they got me in at like 6 p.m. Took 
half an hour for the surgery. I mean, I was out completely. Sure. Cut you open. They do the appendectomy. And I, that was a lot faster recovery than back surgery. Absolutely. You know, maybe, Absolutely. maybe a week or two. Just and, to make sure that yeah. those stitches hold and when your Don't blood pressure hernia, goes yeah. through the roof, you're not ripping anything or yeah, tearing exactly. anything. So then I got back to it again. And I said, you know what? If I can't lift heavy, why don't I lose weight? Sure. And go on a, a real cut. Okay. And I started to do it properly. So by properly, I mean, in my for me, it's more of a flexible dieting. Sure. Track my calories, track my macros. Okay. Eat whatever, as long as it fits in there. Yeah. Absolutely. You know? And I mean, you'll hear, dude, there's so many different opinions on uh, dieting and shit like that. And in my opinion, if that's what worked really well for you, awesome. That's the number Rock one on. rule. Yep. Adherence. <laughs> exactly. Adherence. If you can adhere to it and you can achieve the goals that yeah. you want from it, that's great. If, if you can eat keto for the rest of your life, go for it. Sure. Like, <laughs> and I know with me, I can't do that. No, I can't. Me I mean, I I work out. Five, I lift weights five days a week, and I can have a pretty open diet. But my primary, my state, my principles of my diet is there has to be animal based protein throughout yep. the course of the day, some solid carbohydrates throughout the course of the day, and then I filter in a bunch of junk, unfortunately, and that's probably why I have more fluff than I have on me than I need, because when you're lifting at like the middle of Squatober. I crushed one of the grande home record burritos today from Moe's, and it was awesome. And I had and you no enjoyed regret. it, yep. you know. And if it, and if it fits overall in your plans, that's fine, right? Absolutely, that's fine. So on this final cut, where yeah. did you come down to? All right, so I started at one ninety, okay, and I'm today at like one sixty eight, cool. and my goal was one sixty five. Okay, I I measure myself every week in terms of body fat and I do that with calipers and I do it with the navy tape measurement. Good for you. Because I'm not gonna go do Dexer Bod Pod or something. That and there's there's so much as long as you're using the same thing consistently, yes. that's so all relative that matters. Change that yes, matters, right? it's like consistency yeah. of the tool is what matters. It doesn't matter necessarily if it's the bod pod or a DEXA scan right. or a uh, hydrostatic weighing or whatever. As long as it's the same tool every time. As long as it's the same. Cool. And honestly for most people you measure waste Yes. You know, you drop inches on your waist, you probably drop body fat. I've gone back to, and I know what April April does, tape tape measurements as well in terms of that is the least um, variance, right? Mm -hmm. As long as I'm the same person, as long as I measure you the first time and I measure you the same way the second time, I'm going to have consistent consistent trackable results where there's no machine, there's nothing that comes in between what we're trying to get. Exactly. Right, and you can measure both fat loss and muscle gain, right? Because you can measure your biceps and your thighs yeah. and your chest. And, of course, I've seen those slightly dip. Yep. <laughs> because, as, you're, yeah, as you're leaning down. As I'm leaning like, down. Yeah. Uh, and, and, again, for people listening, you know, when you really go farther into a cut, because I, I started around 18 19% body fat. I'm probably around 11 12 maybe. Okay. I don't know, you know. Um, around 11 or 12 that's where I'm going to end up because I don't want to go any further. Yep. You know, you start getting hungry. Um, you start to, you know, you lose muscle mass first and then you lose strength is yep. what I found. And my, my deadlift's going up, my squats about stalled, the bench is stalled and the press is going back. Gotcha. So I'm like, I'm done. Yeah. I need to start eating again. I was going to ask. So that was my next question. Cause I know myself personally, I have a specific number where if when my body weight drops under it, I know it, I can feel it in my lifts. I'm like, I'm too light. Yep. I know that I'm too, and I don't know. Have you found that number yet where you're like, I think ah. this is it. I think this is it. Like to go beyond this would be more of the obsessive, like you're going to do a physique show or something. Sure. And the, and then you're doing it for the pure aesthetic aspect. Yeah. Not you're suffering these... on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't need to do that. So now my goal is five pounds in five months of muscle. Wow. So good for you. So to do that, I probably have to gain about 15 pounds in the next five months. But it's good that you have that perspective because yes. a lot of people are like, so I'll gain like seven pounds and five of it will be muscle. Oh, You're yeah, like, right. Yeah, yeah, okay. No, I, th- I think <laughs> if you're new to it, like a, th- a third of it will be muscle. Yeah. Right? It's, right. And it's dude, like for me to do that, like it's real hard now. Yeah. For you, it's probably yeah. like an I have a training. 16, yeah, I have a training know? age of over 20 years at this point yes. where like to change my – like to put on five pounds in five months – I would be slamming steaks all day. Yeah. Like steak three times a yep. day and sleeping my face off. Right. 300 like, grams of protein a day. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's awesome though, man. So yeah. you have a plan. So you know what you're going to. So this next gain, you said you're going to gain about 15 pounds. So it's going to put you back in the low 180s. Yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. So about half a percent, up to a half a percent a week of body weight gain. So like if you, you got to plan all this out, like this is one of my big takeaways for sustainability, right? You got to track, you have to track it and know, what your numbers are. If I know I want to gain a half percent of my body weight, I know exactly what I need to weigh on a seven day moving average week to week. Yep. And if I'm going higher or lower than that, adjust the calories. Boom. 
you know? This is the the concept that you're talking about is really hard for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't need to be dismissive because no. it is hard to it's, get to it's that point. Super hard, and people don't understand the journey. Like, so I, I talk to people a lot about the journey that you need to go on. Like, if you want to make a, a body change, it's not something that you can do in six months. You can you can change. Don't get me wrong. So mm-hmm. You can lose a lot of weight quickly, mm-hmm. and you can keep weight off quickly. But the journey that Philip's going on, and it's a very similar journey that I went on takes a long time um i went from somewhere around 170 up to so my bulk brought me up to about 225 i gained about 55 pounds doing that um and that was i was eating a lot of five guys and it took me five six (laughs) years to do it and then i would do what you're saying and i pulled back down to 190 and then i popped back up to 220 and then i went back down to like 195 then i popped back up to like 220 again and i've just yo-yoed that and that's not a yo-yo diet thing i've these done are intentional these were all intentional mass gains and cuts and mass gains and it's just slowly every time you're just yep. layering on a little bit of more muscle and a little bit more muscle so you're just stacking that on and over the years and over your training age you just find yourself you get a little bit thicker and a little bit stronger and things just as long as you're consistent with it move in the right direction. It's like the stock market, right? Up and down, up and down, but always up. It always slowly works its way up magically. Um, and I, I, I admire the journey you're on because it's not easy. It's not an easy journey and to have the mental fortitude being like, it's okay to get a little fluffy because um, I'll pull it off eventually and then I'll put it back on and then I'll pull it back off because yeah. as you said, there's a plan and it's all trackable and you're going to do it in a way that makes sense to you. And if you, like, that's all super hard thing especially what i found is people that come from being overweight and they've lost all of that weight and then i tell them well you need to put on some mm-hmm. fat they're like i'm not doing that oh. and you're like well i can understand you've worked really hard to get down to your body weight but unfortunately you're going to need to put on some fat if you're going to put on muscle it's just exactly. and it's the only way I, I guess i would say this the only way that you can put on just straight muscle is if you play with drugs um, right. And if you if you play with drugs, yeah, you can do it. And that's when you see people put on twenty pounds of just straight muscle, and they're super vascular, and they're purple. And you're like, well, what the fuck happened to that guy? <laughs> yeah, ah, no. He's probably no. playing with some drugs along the way. So, Philip, that's kind of brought us to where you're currently at, right? This is what you're currently doing, and it seems like over the last decade, you've really developed a big passion for strength training and fitness, and trying to help people put them in the right um, the right paths. What um we talked about this before, but you have a podcast that's going to launch sooner than later. What are you trying to do with it? What is it? Yeah, no, thanks for bringing that up. So my new podcast, it's going to be called Wits and Weights. Okay. Strength Training for Skeptics. You know, I like the alliteration in the title there. Yeah, I love it. And the, the wits, you know, refers to just, uh, you know, thinking, being level-headed, and being skeptical, and being a critical thinker about all the information out there. Yep. Um, and, uh, it's, it's going to be the first podcast I've put together, but I've been inspired by guys like you and all the other folks I've listened to over the years. Um, the goal is to tell my story from an individual perspective rather than from the fitness professional or personal trainer perspective and help the listener take information that's out there, break it down and figure out what, what works, what doesn't, what, what should you believe and what shouldn't you, and how can you go out there and find the resources on your own to make this work. And I I would assume give them some guiding principles. First principles, guiding principles. That's awesome. Exactly. There are some universal truths out there. And I think that's a – it'll be really helpful for a lot of people, man. And I think that's awesome that you're willing to go out there and share your story and share your knowledge and all the knowledge that you've gained in your journey to help other people that might feel in the same place. And that that probably really taps back into also your journey with Toastmasters too, right? I'm assuming at a certain point when you joined that organization, you weren't leading these things. You were probably feeling uncomfortable and nervous to get up there. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. It's, it's a perfect analogy, right? It's like the newbie gains for somebody who is fearful about speaking are there for the taking if you have the knowledge the process, and then a coach, yeah. right? A, a coach, whether whether it's a coach that's working with you or even yourself as a coach, if you have the tools and you can video yourself and you can give yourself feedback, mm-hmm. it's that Break critical it thinking. Yep. That's awesome. And so diving into Toastmasters, just because I'm, I'm curious about Toastmasters, you, so you said you, you belong to a local chapter and you speak on this on a competitive stage as well. Um Kind of break down, what is Toastmasters? What is it? So is it something, let's say if I was someone interested, which I am, and I, I attend a meeting or a get-together or what? what is it? 
It's a nonprofit organization. It's been around for about a century. Wow. There are clubs in just about every town practically in the world. Right? Okay. There's like tens of thousands and there's hundreds of thousands of members. Um, and it's really simple. If you're in a club, you go maybe twice or three or four times a month. Okay. And you prepare a speech based on a project that gives you an educational plan. Okay, now we're going to focus on vocal variety. Here's all the things you need to learn about tone and pitch and sure. all these things. I've never thought of any of them. Yeah, yeah, no, and, and there's, <laughs> there's heard of dozens them. of these types of projects. You prepare a speech, five to seven minutes long, you deliver it in the, in the club, and then somebody verbally evaluates you right on the spot and then gives you a written evaluation. Wow. And that's it, and that's the feedback. It's like having a coach, you know, people are assigned mentors, yep. and you just, as much as you put into it, you get out of it. Okay. You know, you can volunteer to speak or not. Sure. So if you're uncomfortable, you're attending this thing and you're uncomfortable – yeah, you can go and just watch for a couple of times. You can just watch. all of us yep. and you build that courage up to get up there on the Or a good club pushes you in a, in a, in a gentle way sure. to do that sooner than later. Yeah, they, which, I, yeah. which would be, I mean, it's similar, to, as you said, of having a coach out in the gym of, yep. yes, we're going to make sure we don't push you too far too fast, but we are coaches and we are going to encourage you to progress. Yep, we know you can do it, so let's just, let's just get, that's why you're here. That's you know? really cool. And so I'm assuming you've probably seen some remarkable things in terms of people's self-confidence, their ability to get in front of stages and probably have changed a lot of people's lives in terms of their ability to present and represent themselves at work and probably on a personal level as well. It goes far beyond what you would imagine, right? Like when I got into it, I thought I'm going to be a better PowerPoint presenter. And at the end of the day, it helped me speak up better speak up more at meetings speak up in social settings sure interview better do podcasts better you know like yeah. it, it just translates to everything and not everybody is afraid of speaking per se but everybody has something they need to improve yeah i mean i can only speak for myself and i know that that would even though i i public speak I, i'm doing air quotes right now i public sure. speak because I'm, I'm in front of a class a lot in the gym or i'm one-on-one -on -one or i speak on a podcast well that that's all in my comfort zone that's all in my thing that I've built. That's not someplace else that puts me outside of my comfort zone. And I right. know if I went to a meeting at some other place and I had to get up and present, I would get very anxious. And I, that, would, that would create a lot of internal turmoil where I would go and do it. But at the yep. whole time, I would get sweaty. I'd be like, I don't know. Uh, I don't <laughs> like know I used to feel go. before a lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You get that like the butterflies in your stomach. Yep. We're like, I don't know what's going to happen. Yep. Um, I think that's really awesome that you can help people with that. And it sounds like you've been really successful with it in terms of, as you were saying, that you lead these now of whatever um, group that you're running specifically. And then let alone that, you go out on a stage and actually compete where people are grading you and putting you into a line of how well you did. Yeah, exactly. And I've never won a contest and that's okay because the process put me through something I'd never been through before. Sure. Speaking of anxiety, but, uh, the, our club works together, right? It's a great, it's like a community kind of like, you know, RA fam over here. It's a community, it's a nonprofit. So everybody there is a volunteer Cool. and we have some longtime members who are club officers. So okay. it's like a club. You just run it and uh, make sure it's successful. Very cool, man. I, I love it. I think that's awesome, and I think that's really cool. As you said, it's non You're not getting paid to do these things. Right. Um, you're just giving back to the it's community and trying to help people and growing yourself as you're doing it. Um, and it sounds like that's the exact thing you're about to do for people looking to step into the strength world and step into the strength industry. Um, I think that's I think that's super cool stuff, Philip. Thank you, man. Um, anything that I missed? Anything that we didn't talk about that I, I should have talked about? Uh, the only other thing I want to mention was how how walking has kind of changed my life too. Really? Walking. Okay, fill me in. And and <laughs> so when I broke my back, broke my back. Uh, when I hurt my back yeah. and had to recover, I had to walk. Right. And I used to hate walking. Like, okay. I, <laughs> I found it boring. My wife loved walking, and sure. she had to always drag me out to go on a walk. And um, when when I recovered and and started walking again, I eventually started building up where. I, I was getting like 12,000 steps a day, and that's what I do every day now, wow. which takes effort. Especially because, as you said, you're working from home. So Treadmill. If, a treadmill. So treadmill and then walking outside. Cool. Because I would say if you were at an office, you could try to make a loop or find something. Yeah. But I could see a lot of people falling into the trap of when they work at home, they walk from their bed to their table or the refrigerator back to their desk <laughs> and their steps drastically decrease never mind going in the direction where Unless yours went where they pacer. <laughs> yeah right where it sounds like yours have drastically increased they have and and i found that because of that i really don't need to do any other type of cardio yep. 
And I also, my resting heart rate has come down. So for my whole life, it was in the upper 50s. I mean, at least for the last 10 years or so. And it dropped to like 52 Wow! when I started walking. Interesting. Cholesterol went down, you know, uh, all these things improved. Um, and, and my metabolism has shot up beyond what I think it would have from lifting. And this is while I'm on a cut. Okay. So I'm just, it's just this epiphany of, is this all from the walking? And I, I, there's no other variable that seems to correlate. Have you read the book Comfort Crisis? No. Okay. So there's, there's a book out there. A lot of people have read it recently. It's called Comfort Crisis. And what it does, it talks about how we're more comfortable now than we've ever been in the history of humankind, right? In the last hundred years, our, our technological developments, our food, our ability to be comfortable has increased drastically. But they talk, he also breaks it down part of it, how we are genetically designed to walk um and we're not designed to be fast like we're not outrunning animals and he was making some analogy in the book or not analogy comparison of um a kitten that's like 10 weeks old can run faster than us um and is more equipped to kill something than we are with our bare hands because we don't have claws and we don't have sharp sharp teeth and um all of these things but what we're genetically designed to do is walk long distances and then carry loads over long distances i.e we are designed to walk down an animal until mm-hmm. it dies and then process the animal and carry it and back. it back exactly right? yeah. so we've been designed yep. to walk and there's a lot of really big health benefits that come with walking which we're you're so discovering true. so true um and another part of it what was really interesting he was talking about the mental benefits that come from walking are exponential, but to receive them, you have to put your phone away. Where if okay. you're walking and you're on your phone, checking your email, mm-hmm. checking whatever, which I find myself guilty of, um, technically, I, a lot of times I try to listen to a book. Um, is it okay to listen to something and still be looking at nature? I you have to think be totally so, unplugged. I think so, but I, I don't, I, I, I'd be <laughs> curious I to see. Yeah, I do the same thing, right? Yeah. Um, it, it, so it's, it's really interesting. that I literally just read this book where it really connects that all okay. together of like, that's what we're designed to do. Yeah. And going back to it, you're finding a lot of these really big benefits. Um, and I also know from a recovery side, on the weightlifting side, walking shoes. Oh, it's huge. Walking yeah. No shoes. interference whatsoever. Yep. And even even rucking, like I actually have a backpack and throw some weights in there and that'll, you know, step yep. it up a little bit. And they walking actually talk huge. about, um, in that book, they talk about the guy that created the Go Ruck Challenge, where it came okay. from, what he did, what he was designing to do with it, how he was designing and all of that fun stuff. So for any of our listeners, I actually really, really enjoyed the book. Um, comfort crisis, check it out. Uh, I have no ties to the book. I'm, I get nothing from you buying this book, yep. but I thought it was a good read. Amazon link in the show notes. Yeah, no, exactly. I will drop that <laughs> in there. <laughs> Actually, so another book somewhat related, it's called Burn. It came okay. out earlier this year. by I have Henry, not read it. So Henry Ponser, he's like a very well-known researcher in, in the metabolism space. He's the one who came up with the constrained model of energy cool. as opposed to the additive model. I don't, I don't, so, I don't, I don't know what that okay, is. Okay, so, so we, all, we all are familiar with the additive model where the idea is the more activity you do, the more calories you burn. Yep. Indefinitely. The constrained model suggests that after a certain amount of activity, your body starts to adapt, metabolic adaptation, and so the total calories level out. They okay. plateau. Now, a lot of people took this to mean, oh, so I shouldn't even do exercise, right? Because it's going to be worse. Sure. If well, I get to a certain point, <laughs> then it doesn't matter. It anymore. doesn't matter. Ah. But there's a huge first part of the graph that does show an increase anyway, so sure. you should still be exercising. And walking does that. But he, he did all the studies with the Hadza tribe. In okay. Tanzania, yep. where they did the double isotope water analysis, I think it's called, where they can measure precisely calories in, calories out. Interesting. And they can, and they found that Hadza, the Hadza, are, they're highly active, right? A yeah. Westerner is not very active at all, but they have similar metabolisms because of this phenomenon. Okay. But the other cool thing was, where do the Hadza get their activity? Walking. Yeah, they're they carrying <laughs> water, that's it. carrying it's the same thing. They're hunter gatherers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, Where we yeah. originally came from. Kill an animal and they walk all day, they walk all back, and they get about 15,000 steps a day, 20,000 maybe. Sure. It's not a crazy amount. Yeah, and the big difference is they're doing it because their lives depend on it. We're yeah. doing it because we're like, man, I want to close this ring on my iWatch today. Like, I better get out <laughs> that's, there. That's so true. <laughs> but I, I'm good today. Yeah, okay. There you go. So you closed your rings already. You're good to go. Dude, I, I think that's awesome, Phil. But I think that's a great place to leave it. Um, sure. So, Philip, 
if our listeners want to find you, they want to hear more about your podcast, or they want to hear more about Toastmasters, or they want to hear about, I'll, I'll drop this because I know you said you're not really doing much with website design anymore. But guys, any of the behind scene things that happen at the gym, technology things, Philip does them all. Um, he's yep. been doing it for probably four years, yeah, five years. About right. um, and honestly, it's the first website that I've ever had that I haven't gotten rid of in two years. So before, cool. all of my websites Longevity. have always had a two-year churn, where you build it out, two years later, they're outdated, and I churn it, and then I do it again. Where the website that Philip's built me, we've done a lot of add-ons and built it out, and we've changed it. But um, he, you, you've hooked me up across a lot of different domains, the technology front, and all of those things that we have working wouldn't work unless Philip was here to make them work. So cool. thank Thanks. you so Appreciate much it. for that. But if our guests want to find you, yep. where do they find you? I would say email. Philip at witsandweights.com. Cool. That's Philip with one L. And then I just created an Instagram site for of an Instagram page for the podcast at Wits and Weights. Cool. I will try to be your first follower if you don't have cool. one. Sounds good. Awesome, guys. Well, thank you guys for listening. It was been a blast to chat with Philip, and I hope you hopefully you guys enjoyed our conversation as much as I did. And that concludes another episode of Finding Your Strength Radio. I hope you guys enjoyed uh, today's episode with Philip and enjoyed the conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. Uh, if you're looking to get into the gym, guys, you want to train with me, you want to train with one of our coaches, you want to work on some nutritional stuff with April, you can find us at RomeoAthletics.fitness. Look us up, make an appointment. Remember, that initial step into the gym is just a conversation. We're going to talk about you, and we're going to talk about your goals, and we're going to talk about what's worked well for you, what hasn't worked well for you, and how we can best set you up for success. So if you're looking to get into the gym, find us at RomeoAthletics.fitness. I hope to see you in the gym soon.